Welcome to the Sports and Light Podcast, where we talk about football, the fishing, and everything in between. How are y'all doing this evening? Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing good. How about you, Isaac? I'm hanging in there. Okay, before we get into this episode, I have another joke for you guys. For those of you who may be new to this podcast, we have introduced a new segment. Samuel is proving his stand, uh, stand-up comedian uh, abilities joke by joke. presenting us with a joke, and we have to see if we can guess it. It's called Samuel's Dad Jokes. Okay, are you ready? Yep. Positive. I'm very positive. Of course. I don't hear Isaac. Okay. What do you call a fish with no eyes? A fish. A fish. No, a bad fishing spot. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, if I get it. If you find a fish with no eyes, yep, that's yep, probably yep. not a good sign. Considering they can't see. Yep. yep Speaking yep. of fi- uh, a bad fishing spot, we're going to be talking about how to find a good fishing spot when you go fishing. Yeah. As opposed to when you play basketball. Yay. Yes. But yes, to all, all seriousness, Carbon today's chef. episode is going to be all about or to help you find good fishing spots and places we look, uh, we recommend for you to look when you're first starting out. And if I'm not mistaken, this is our third fishing episode. Is yes, it is third. Awesome. Well, yeah. Um, yep, so, we're on our seventh episode, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Um. So okay, before we get starting on what to look for, I think it is very important to note. And if I sound crazy, I sound crazy. That's okay. But I. I think that there is an art to finding good fishing spots. There is. Especially because a good fishing spot can literally be the difference between whether you catch fish or you don't catch fish, especially when fish especially when fishing is slow. Yeah. And I think it's very important to remember um things to look for um you know, also, and believe it or not, it can be anything from the water quality to, um, depth. to the depth to, uh, structure or to the the natural um flow. environment around you. And well, and yes, and water flow. So, uh, before we get started, I just think that is important for um our listeners, and it's uh Isaac for you, um, maybe not knowing. And I mean, and it's something that I still work on too, um, the the art of finding good fishing spots. Um, yeah. I think it's it's a great skill to have. I think f- knowing where to find good fishing spots makes you a much better fisherman. It is. It's also good for you know, like you're saying, slow day. If you're not having too much luck out there, you know, looking around, finding new spots. I mean, you could hit you could hit the gold mine one day, and then you go back, and then there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're looking for spots, don't always try and hit the same spot back to back like day after this the day after, because in that case, the fish are gonna move because they don't just stay in one place they they migrate or they just move around depending on you know the time of the year you're fishing, so it's always good to be able to read your um, read the water read the environment per se, and understanding you know maybe this is a good spot to check out. And maybe this spot isn't as good. It's like what you're saying, you know, the water quality is a big thing. The depth is huge, especially for certain species. Like if you're going for trout uh, or redfish, they they might be more shallow or even yes, water temperature can come I, into play. Yes, but I also think that you can catch redfish because they're bottom feeders. You can yeah. still catch them at increased depths. Um, 
it's harder. It's yes, it is more difficult. And I think you bring up a good point on not over fishing spots and we will talk about that as the episode rolls on because i think that's an important point um but isaac before we start talking about what we porter and porter and i and i'm sure other listeners are out there what we consider good fishing spots because saltwater freshwater are similar are different but in or similar in different ways i guess for for spots but i want isaac i want you to guess what a what good fishing spots do you think would be for fishing? What do you mean? Like what what you would be looking for for a good fishing spot? Well, it depends on the species of fish. Okay, let's depending on where they live in the in terms of like water depth. Let's okay. do let's let's just say a broad spectrum, not broad, but it, inshore fishing in salt water. What do you think a good fishing spot would be? Inshore fishing. So I'm assuming somewhere with relative depth but also near reeds. So I'm thinking you want a spot where their prey is going to inhabit. Presumably, they're, they're going to want to be within reeds so they can swim in and hide. So I'm assuming in somewhere where there's cover, like reeds, uh, potentially under a dock, for example, sheep's head. But I'm thinking not shallow, but like water, you could probably walk in and waders. And then a marshy area where there's plenty of spots for smaller fish to hide. Yep. Yep. So right dead on the money. Uh marsh beds, uh docks, points. Well, we'll get it we'll, we'll, we'll get in that in just a second, but those are the two very big ones. But like you said, um Porter points, um banks, creeks, um mm-hmm. I think for me what I also like to look for is sandbars when you're out surf fishing sandbars are really nice um breaks in the waves are good spots and we'll get more into specifics on that um and by breaks i mean like um like when you when it's really rough and then there's that part where it's really really like a like really slick that's Mm. a good good area to look for um but yeah points are really nice uh bank banks and whatever else i said but anything you want to add with that well i would think not, I would think usually the the dips in between the sandbars would be good for surf fishing. That's what I mean. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the breaks. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are good, especially um, more down south in like Florida or Georgia, where pompano is pretty big. Those are perfect areas for your, if you're trying to target those. Yep. But um, to get more now, we'll get into the more specifics. So I would like to start, um, you know, with your your points, and. I think, uh, you know, when it's higher tide and you have your, um, not beaches, but they're like beaches and low tide and high tide, those are great spots. And especially, I've caught a lot of redfish, not a lot, I've caught a good amount of redfish um, on those points and near somewhat, oh, and I totally forgot, a huge, huge spot for fishing is any structure. But we'll get also get into that too. Anyway, um, with redfish, it's um, there. It's I, I've caught a good amount and and marsh grass, and so have you. Mm-hmm. Um, but those points points are amazing spots to look for, especially where we live by bridges. There's points everywhere, and there's yeah. banks, marsh flats. They're they're all over the place. Yeah, I mean we we are lucky to be surrounded by such you know 
good environment for these fish to thrive, especially oyster bars. Oyster bars is a big one. Yes, so I would say oyster bars are good spots, but I definitely think you have to be a little bit more skilled because if you let your bait drop and you get hung on those oysters, you'll just keep you'll you'll just have to keep switching your leader and hooks like every five casts and that's yeah. where I mean, wouldn't you think so? You I mean you just have mm-hmm. to be careful. Well that's where the art of fishing itself comes into play. Yes. It's like, you know, understanding how to how to use your materials and mm-hmm. how to properly um, you know like use them. Right. But in a way that is best to where you won't get caught. Yeah. And Isaac, I know that you know too, and I think with our aquaculture background, it right. kind of makes sense that fish would be hanging around oyster bars. Um, of course, yeah. Especially sure. you look at like your sheep's head and your black drum. Like, Well, and since we worked at a seafood market, I don't know if you ever did, but you look inside of a sheep's head or a black drum, you will find oysters in them. Galore, yeah. absolutely. And it's crazy. Um to think that a fish like a sheep's head or a black drum can swallow an oyster, like how painful that would be. Um, but I think it's imp- important to note that sh- uh, oyster bars, um, I'm trying to think of what else, like pilings. Yeah, pilings, but there's also, um, like, I would also think that. Was what are you thinking of? Like, what was the structure? Well, just like more uh, crustaceans, like like fid- like filler crabs, marsh beds, mm. oysters, oyster also bars. oyster bars have mud crabs. Um, Shrimp is like pretty much everywhere. Yes, in the summer it is. Um, but I would say you have a pretty good shot when you find crustaceans or some type of uh, sh- well, shrimp, and uh, you'll catch so many things by shrimp. But yeah. Um, oyster bars, a great spot. Um, I also think, especially, uh, you said pilings with barnacles because we know uh, we've caught sheep's when we catch sheep's head. I'd like to look at their stomachs, and they're full of barnacles and algae, and that's like about all that they eat. Uh, I mean, all that all that you can see pretty pretty right off the bat. Yeah, they do stack up on the pilings. It's kind of like their their favorite place to be. Um. Because of you know all of the things that are around it, mm-hmm. <coughs> with like the oysters and the well and the barnacles obviously, and like shrimp, do they do they f- like feed on the plankton? Oh, this so good. shrimp will feed on a range of things depending on their live like the where they are in their life cycle, mm-hmm. but yeah, for the most part, it's microorganisms. It it's actually really interesting, and I'd love for us to get into the diet. And everything that goes on with that uh, in in just a moment. All right, yeah, let's talk about uh, species of fish's diet. Yeah, uh, so the main fish that we like to target down here, the redfish, their diet okay. is very, very wild. Yes, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I say, you know, we say we target them, but honestly, with where we fish, you have a summer where it's like, a peak of July and all you catch is trout and then it's like yeah, well remember that I'm talking about that summer um, North Carolina is weird it is and I guess it's I think it, you know we're in the middle of February and it feels like 70 degrees like every be, day they said it might feel like 80 uh, this week it's insane but yeah, yeah. Um, well I'd say that you know actually you say we target redfish 
but actually, like, the bait that we throw could catch Anything. sheep's head, redfish, trout, bluefish, pretty much everything. Yeah. Um. Well, okay, I say that because the universal bait, which if anyone's if anyone's wondering, actually, before we say that, Isaac, I want you to, I want to ask Shrimp. you what. Okay, never mind. He already knows it. Yes. Um. You could literally catch about anything with fresh shrimp, or even mullet. Really, only fish. Only fish I know that really don't eat mullet is black drum and sheep's head. I've heard fiddler crabs is also a very common one mm-hmm. that catches about everything too. The thing with mullet is that people actually do catch black drum on mullet, but it's very, very uncommon. It's like catching an, uh, a black drum or a sheep's head on artificial. Exactly, it's really rare. Yeah, but it can happen. There's always a chance. Can. I've never seen a sheep's head eat a mullet, though. I've never seen anything, any sheep's head do that. Well, I bet if you dipped it in some crab scent, it probably would. I don't know if the mullet would be alive, but... I mean, I'm saying if you took, like, a piece a chunk? of chunk mullet, yeah. and then you dipped it in, like, some procure or something like that, you probably could catch it. I just don't know if it could fit, like, the style of how the how the fish eats. Because what sheep's head usually do when they eat, they bite into the bait, and then they suck it in. And when they suck the bait in, that's when they get all the meat. And that's why when they have such a such a sudden bite, and you know, it's hard to tell because it's so quick. Because when they bite in it, they bite like really rapidly quick because their teeth. Their teeth is like human teeth, as you've heard before. And, I mean, it, they bite down on this thing so easily, and they can eat it so fast it's like, you know, a mullet, it just, it would probably feel weird to them to eat, if that makes sense. Well, also if it was alive, I think. Yeah. Um, well, if it was alive, they'd know, like, you know, hey, no bueno. Right. And that's, that's kind of the frustrating part, I think, with sheep's head fishing, is that if you don't have, like, if you don't have enough bait that, I mean, because, I mean, I've never caught a sheep's head before. And, mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. And, well, you know, those voodoo shrimp bites that could have been a sheep's head when we got those bites that day. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, they steal, like, I remember every time I've gone to fish for sheep's head on pilings, my bait always gets stolen. And it's just, it's very, a, it's a pac- very crafty, patient. It's And you got to know the right rigs to make and what yeah. to use. And the hooks. Yes. But um, back to getting into fish's diets. So the primary the primary bait or bait diet for I would think well we'll start with redfish so it's I know I said universal but they pretty much eat anything you know you're anywhere from mullet to they'd probably eat a glass minnow and a silver perch to menhaden men oh yeah yes menhaden to shellfish your shrimp ghost shrimp um and then to your crustaceans your crabs wait yeah, for crabs. crabs, crustacean or shells? Yes, they're, they're, well, crustaceans and shellfishes. Uh, crustacean is technically the group above shellfish. Yeah, I, I would think correctly. they're a mix, right? They're sort well, of. Well, you like can't a be a mix. True. That's not how that works. I bet, and redfish would eat oysters, fiddler crabs. They they eat pretty much everything. They eat. I've actually I've seen videos of them trying to eat trout. Like they eat the oh, little yeah. baby trout. I've seen you know bait trout will eat baby trout. Yeah. I mean. Um, they're carnivorous. Yeah. And they're cannibalistic. No, yes, they're cannibalistic. Um, and then, so we're going to talk, we'll talk about black drum and sheep's head. Which one you want to do? I think we'll do black drum. Take it away. 
So, black drum, their primary diet is, like a sheep said, they're crustacean and shellfish. They usually eat things like crabs and shrimp and uh, fiddler crabs. And also they eat, um, sometimes they can, like we said earlier, they can sometimes eat mullet, but it's very uncommon. And how they actually, def- like how they figure out, you know, if it what's on the bottom is they have these little whiskers on the bottom of their of their mouth which they use to like sense the prey almost and then just slurp it up really easily i mean it's it's a very interesting process on how they eat and they track their food it's very it's just kind of cool it's like with a um what are they called i forgot it's like a catfish like they use their they use their whiskers mm-hmm. to like sense their prey but I think it, it up. I think it's worth noting though. Yes, they like I guess they inhale it, but they have some gnarly crunchers in the yeah. back of their throat, and that's Drum why in do. that's why they can eat oysters. Because I've seen videos also where they will literally so they'll take a like a scraper, and they'll scrape bridge pilings to chum up the water. Take one of those live oysters, put on a hook, and catch a giant black drum. They yeah. they love eating, and same with sheep's head too. They'll eat oysters. Um, but speak and speaking of sheep's head, just like Porter said, shellfish, crustaceans. But I definitely think the best bait for sheep's head is live shrimp. Or, uh, I'm pretty sure it's Filler called crabs. quartered blue crabs. Quartered blue crabs. I think it's called quartered, where you cut snip, it into fourth. Snip it in half. Well, so you can put it in and and put it into fourths, but you. It's not even really fourths because you have to trim so much of it off. Um, yeah. But, I mean, you can cut into four pieces, but I'd rather keep it probably in two. Well, it depends mm-hmm. on how much you want to leave on there. Yeah. I don't know. Um, But trout would be same thing, kind of universal, yeah. sort of. They wouldn't eat oysters, um, but they'll eat. They'll eat. Cra- I mean, sometimes they'll eat crabs. I don't know if they, they eat like the little fiddler crabs. Yes, stuff. they don't eat like the blue crabs. Right, and the trout that you caught on mullet. I definitely think that if you're going to talk about live bait, mullet's the best for trout. Yeah, or well, or mud minnows. Mud minnows are always good. It's always good. And we're, did did we mention mud minnows for a winter bait? Yeah, we did. Okay, because that is one of the best creek. Winter Creek baits are mud mm-hmm. minnows. They are very good. Yeah. So what makes a mud minnow a mud minnow? They live in... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, where you go? Well, like you're saying, they live. They pretty much live in the mud, and they can survive in more brackish water. Um, and they're and they're a lot smaller than mullet. They don't get as big. They're kind of they're kind of tiny. And it's um, correct me if I'm wrong. They kind of look like you know, like when a tadpole gets to like this not the state. It's like the stage before. They grow legs for a frog. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the tadpole stage. They get like the little arms and stuff. It's kind of like those. It's weird. Their fins are kind of like arms. Yep. They're little tadpoles. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. They're, and they're, they're, and por- they're colored like mud too. Yeah, exactly. And those, and uh, there's also... Bullhead minnows. Bull, there's bullhead minnows. I'm pretty sure there's, th- there's also sheep's head minnows as well. Huh, in okay. Alabama, they have a minnow that's called a... Sh- and maybe down here, it's called a sheep's head minnow. Hmm. Um and those are co- commonly used as well. I've never is it like a striped minnow? Yep. Is that why? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. That might be like what a mud minnow is because they kind of have stripes too. They're just not as 
Well, I don't, I've never really seen a mud minnow that up close. I just see that they're colored like the mud, and they're super slimy. They are so slippery. Yeah, they're they're tiny, and they're very and they're actually very quick. And we would catch yeah. them. But the bull minnows are the big ones. Those are like trout can't. Well, all of them are trout and redfish candy. But the bull minnows are the ones that I think are the best. Yeah. Well, besides mullet, obviously. But yeah. Well, when you can't, well, you don't have access to it. Right. And if you want a really easy way to catch a lot of minnows, uh, you take a little minnow trap, um, and you put. So I've seen people put cat food, dog food. Uh, you could put probably like chicken livers in there, and you'd catch minnows. Get a couple dozen of them, and they're pretty pretty decent bait. Yeah, just hard because how like because size varies for those, and most of the time when if you're especially when you're in shallow creeks, they're usually very small. Yeah, which makes it harder for them to be used as bait. Mm-hmm. So I mean, if you're going for if you're going for the minnows, it's it's very far in between. You're going to get those big ones if you're going in the shallow. But if you're in, like, a little bit deeper water, you'll have a greater chance of getting those big ones. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were talking about – because I would think if you're fishing in shallow water with minnows, that would be pretty pretty good. You could fish them in deeper shallow waters. I mean, mm-hmm. um, can you think of anything else we might be missing, Isaac? In red terms fish. of what? Um, what redfish and – yeah, any other bait or – I mean, and, you know, you don't have – see, and I don't know if we've mentioned to our, our listeners, but uh, Isaac and I worked at a fish market, and even though, Isaac, you may not fish a lot, you know uh, probably as much as we do about the classification and what fish eat because we've stuck our hands in so many fish guts with different fish for so long say, that you definitely so know what open. they eat. Yeah, for sure. And we know what they do. and we and I think you I think it's worth noting that you definitely know what some fish eat uh what's sorry, what some fish eat for what they smell like when we would gut them. Yeah, just my a goodness. Oh yeah, my goodness. Uh, you'd think black sea bass just ate pure pure compost. Oh, it was whew, those uh, are Did some... you mention squid at all? Any sort of cephalopod? So, I definitely think redfish would eat squid, um sea bass. Well, yeah, I don't know if sheep's head. I think redfish would definitely could. eat squid, and I would use squid as a great bait uh, for when you go offshore. Well, yeah, offshore. But if we're talking about inshore, when you go to, well, I say inshore. Um, there's definitely like piers. You know, we have one that's inshore and uh, that's literally Radio Island Pier. That is technically inshore. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. It's inshore. Mm-hmm. Right next to the port. I mean. It is inshore, but it also leads right offshore. But yeah, yeah. Um, it's a lot deeper than you'd think. It's like thirty. Oh yeah, we've did we've dove there. Yeah. Well, that was. Oh yeah, it was right on Radio Island. Yep. Yeah. It'll Um, get to probably because we went. We were getting our paddy dive certification, which is thirty-three feet. Thirty-three. Well, we went deeper than that for the um uh the you know when you have to. Just exhale while going up to the surface. Right. Yeah, it was about 30, 35, 36. And speaking of our diving, Isaac, what did we get covered in every time we went? Urchins. And you know what is a great bait for sheep's head? Sea urchins. Sea urchins. That does not surprise me. It sounds like uh, they just enjoy a crunchy little snack. And black yeah. drum. And black drum. Um, Anything that has a beak, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's crazy. And I know I've talked about it before, but the Pacific sheep's head, they'll gulp them right up, spines and all, and they will just literally crush them. It's a crazy video. I recommend um, Pacific sheep's head. Uh, I, don't, I think that's what they're called. They're red, and they have these, like, literally beaks, and they, they just demolish too. sea urchins. It's crazy how What's they do What's the it. size differential? I don't think they're that much different. Um, they get huge, just like sheep's head do. The thing with the Pacific is that they're a lot less broad. If you're looking at them from the side, they're a lot more. They have a lot more length, yeah. in their body than they do width. They remind me of a toad or a yeah. blackfish. Is kind of what they look like. You know, you know, you've seen what? A no looks idea. Like. Okay, I'm gonna. One? I'll get a picture. So whatever he shows you, it's pretty much that, but it has like a red. And black mix, so it's like red, and then like fades to black on the bottom half. Interesting. And this is a Pacific sheep's head. That yeah. So they're not traditionally black and white. Not not these. I think it's just. I don't know if it's like the water, if it just messes with the colors or anything. There is a Toa Tog. Um. Oh, you're talk. You're showing me the Toa Tog. Okay. Yes, and then I'm going to show you the sheep's head, and you'll see the Pacific sheep's head. They kind of look similar-ish. The thing with the, the the head of the Pacific sheep's head looks like a head of a regular sheep's head. I can definitely yeah, I see like why. the mouth. And their their head's a lot bigger. They're like if a parrotfish and a sheep's head. Had that a that looks so strange. What? I I a Pacific sheep's head? Yeah, but I they're can gorgeous. See, I can see the sheep's head like. It, like nature and how you, how you would get sheep's head from it. And it's also strange how sheep's head and black sea bass have that tumor. It is effectively benign, and I think it's just called a tumor because it's technically not supposed to be there, but on its forehead, which is really, really, really interesting to me. Do you also see how they kind of look like a toetog, though? Was that a reference? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not as sheep's uh, almost, uh, it's more oblong than our sheep's head. For yeah. sure, definitely a bit more, less ovular, because ours, yeah. I, I believe that's how you say, it. yeah, yeah, ovular. more of like an oval shape. Yeah, definitely uh, not as rounded. So I just saw this. So a sheep's head and a California sheep's head, I don't think they're actually related. So the California sheep's head is a species of wrasse. Really, a yes. wrasse? Huh. Hmm. Do they take? Do do they take? Do people eat Pacific sheep's head? Yes, they, I and they're very it. good to eat. I'm sure. Hmm. So That's there pretty. is something called a. Um, Rass are beautiful fish. They are. Yeah. Uh, they're very tropical, for sure. Very similar to parrotfish in terms of their. Uh, I was color saying. Scheme. I was saying that looked like if a parrotfish and a sheep's head had a baby. That's what I was thinking. It looked like. Uh, I can see that absolutely, especially because parrotfish are beaked, mm-hmm. and the eyes, bleed. If, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're they're not black like our sheep's head. They're like white, right? Yeah, yeah. No, parrotfish, we don't see those a lot around here. Similar to uh, uh, even with wrasse, we, they're about as common as a queen trigger, if not a little bit more common. I but normally you just get a straggler. You, you don't catch those uh, a lot here. Now with water temperatures, as they're getting warmer on the, as the years have gone by. Right. There's been more. There's been more um, so, like tropical fish moving up. So like, people will tell you that's global warming, but it's really just the current. Uh, the what was it called? Gulf Stream. Thank you. The Gulf Stream 
is just pulling more water. Yeah. It's actually, we've got to be very careful because if the Gulf Stream gets too hot, it'll stop being the Gulf Stream, and then we lose all that circulation, and we'll, the fish populations will decrease. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, but as for getting more tropical fish, it could be due simply to populations increasing or the fact that Florida's reef population is starting to decrease, so fish are trying to find new homes. Yeah. And that's also a very depressing statistic in that most all reefs are starting to either dwindle, disappear, or just get eradicated. It's actually interesting how, because our ant uh, is a diver, owns a dive shop, and is a part of the restoration for coral. Coral are a very sensitive organism and require a lot of maintenance, consistency, similar to how we require our, our blood is required to be at the same pH due to a buffer. Normally, the nature has a buffer within itself in that things will constantly recirculate, keep things, you know, almost at consistent levels through sustainable uh, consumption. Now that humans have been introduced into the mix, it's started to get skewed. Like, uh, yeah. like the coral getting sun bleached uh, from like the ozone layers. Have you ever have you seen so that? So that's not sun bleaching is not that's not how sun bleaching works. That's what it's called when oz when the ozone layers when it is so bright that it'll shine down on the coral and it'll literally bleach it and it'll remove the color. So sun bleaching is actually due to the water being more toxic than usual, or rather the the pH is actually it just is is more toxic. Or uh, acidic, excuse me. Let me see. So, coral as a whole are just getting ruined and those fish are losing habitats. So, when you are fishing, make sure you're fishing sustainably. Try not to over or overfish the population and dwindle it, uh, obey the, all of the restrictions. They're there for a reason. And keep in mind that big fish require little prey. 10% of that energy is transferred. So for every 10 fiddler crabs you pick up and use to try to catch fish, one fish, that's one fish's worth of energy, right? So they need 10 of those fiddler crabs in order to sustain their, their diets, mm -hmm. which is why they eat so much. So whenever you're going and collecting bait, be very, very careful. Yeah, and... and go ahead, Porter. And I was saying, for regulations, if you ever need an app to look at regulations of the fishing in your area, please, please get fish rules. It's free. You can always you know, um, use it when you have to. It's You can use your location. It does freshwater and saltwater. Just please follow your regulations. Yes, and make sure to, um, you know, we live in a beautiful place, and we want to take care of God's creation and I think it's important to follow your local regulations, and uh, it, ke it keeps, you know, helps everyone else have a good time fishing. Well, as we end on that note, I just wanted to thank all you guys for listening to our this episode of Sports Online Podcast. And from all of us here in the studio, God bless y'all, and we will see you on the other side.